Hello, and welcome to Weed and Grub. Mike's got to flame someone on the internet real quick. <laughs> <laughs> all the time. I, try it's all, I, I want this podcast to be about us yelling at people that aren't in the room so they can't defend themselves. <laughs> Great. It's a whole new podcast. All right, cool. <laughs> Ready? Yeah, it's okay. called what, Why Are You Angry? Um, <laughs> what up, Mary Jane? How's it going, Mike? It's, yo, long time. Yeah. Long time. What's up, Danko? What's up? This is so rad, man. Yes. Um, it's so good to see you and, I don't know, just catch up because so much has happened in your life since the last time we chatted for the pod. Uh, first off, we'll just uh, give us a little little intro on uh, who you are so all of our <laughs> listeners know again well, about... Yeah, yeah I'm Danny Danko. I uh, was the senior cultivation editor at High Times for the last 18 years and wrote a couple of books, uh, The High Times Field Guide to Marijuana Strains and Cannabis, A Beginner's Guide to Growing Marijuana. And I host a podcast called Grow Bud Yourself. <laughs> uh, That's such yeah. a good name, dude. <laughs> yeah. And before that, it was uh, I had a podcast called Free Weed from Danny Danko uh, in conjunction with High Times. And this one is independent. Uh, and it's weekly. Every Thursday we come out with an episode. And I'm a big Weed and Grub fan as well. So, you know, big fan Thanks, of the dude. pod, friend of the pod. Thanks so much. It's been so fun to listen to Grow Bud Yourself and kind of catch up with some of the tales of your time at high times and as a as a grower and, a, you know, cultivation guru. And also like as I don't know, one of my f- favorite stories that I've heard was you talking with Kyle Cushman about coming across the George Washington Bridge just weeks after 9-11 with like a trunk full of freshly harvested uh, (laughs) (laughs) cannabis. Yeah, that was was pretty wild times. (laughs) Definitely, definitely wild, a a bit stressful. Um, But we managed to make it through the the roadblocks and the the checkpoints and everything else. And we left probably left behind uh, some wafting odors. Uh, but we managed to get that harvest home and, and you know, had some, some helpful cannabis at a, at, during a tough time, you know, and here we are back in, in another tougher, tough time and cannabis once again saves the day. It's like been deemed essential Yo. and, you know, it's, it's pretty interesting where we're at right yeah. now. What is it like in New York City right now in the in the cannabis scene? I bet it's chill. Yeah. I'm sure it's super chill. There's no <laughs> police sirens. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of sirens for sure. I'm in Brooklyn, uh, you know, kind of in between a few different hospitals. And so we hear a lot of sirens. It's 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 mellowed out a bit, you know, in the last couple of weeks Um, for a while there. It was just completely surreal to leave the house (laughs) at all for any reason. Um, But would you leave now? I haven't really left the house. I mean, once in a while, my wife goes out, uh, you know, whether it be to the grocery store or to the pharmacy but that's pretty much it. I mean, we, you know, I go outside, you know, on walks and things like that, just in, in the neighborhood. Uh, but really, you know, people are mostly trying to avoid that. And, you know, everybody's wearing masks for the most part. Um, so it's a little different, I think, than the rest of the country in a way, because there's there's like this, it seeming, seems like outside of New York, there's this argument that like 
hey, I don't need to wear a mask and, or, or let's make this political, <laughs> you know. But here, mm-hmm. that's, like, really not an option. I think, like, you know, what, from what we've seen, there, there's no hoax. There's no, like, you know, conspiracy. There's no nothing. There's just a virus that's killing people. And, uh, you know, reasonable people are happy to wear a mask <laughs> to protect themselves yeah. and others. I don't, I, I don't know how this became like this, you know, political kind of thing, but... Uh, there's not a lot of, you know, conspiracy types going around New York City. That's for sure because we see what we see, and, and it's plainly obvious that, uh, you know, what's going on, and and uh, you know how to mitigate it and fix it. The brain twisting to believe that it's a government conspiracy to get us all to wear masks is so crazy because. Our uh, High Times colleague, Zena, posted, I think today on Facebook, I just saw her write, like, do you really think that the government wants us to wear masks? Like, the biometrics for surveillance would mean that they would actually want us to not wear masks so they can check all of our faces. So, like, how are you twisting your brain to believe that? The whole thing <laughs> is is crazy. I mean, the, the yeah. you know, the, oh, they were going to put tracking chips in. They have a tracking chip in you. You're, you're tweeting from it right now. Yeah. <laughs> They're tracking you. <laughs> It's done. Like, that's yeah. ridiculous. And, and that, you know, Bill Gates really cares about, you know, like, tracking you. <laughs> He's tracking you. Mm-hmm. He doesn't need, you know, I don't know. It, 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 it's actually kind of frustrating being here and seeing that, like, through social media and, and other places. I mean, I get it. It's, it hasn't ravaged, you know, where you are yet or as bad or whatever it might be. But it's coming. And, like... You might as well accept the fact that it's real and it exists because it's happening. And if anything, these numbers are underreported, to be honest. I mean, you can hear a siren right now. (laughs) You know, it's a it's a yeah, you know, it's it's a dangerous thing. And I think people need to take it seriously. Uh, Luckily, we have cannabis to help get us through and food. Food has been a major (laughs) (laughs) food's been a major part of it as well. So weed and grub, you know, very essential. Yeah, man. Donuts and dank. Dank and donuts. <laughs> Bung and a oh, pancake. man. Um, do you, when did you start growing your own? Wow. Um, I guess it would be the early to mid-90s, basically. Kind of f- first started around college time, which was 90 to 94. Um, that was kind of the, the first few closet grows and small kind of plant uh, situations, you know. Uh, and then, you know, wait, can we stop right there? Yep. Like growing in your closet in 94 sounds crazy to me because I've only been to grow houses. So I've only seen like Bach playing while big bright lights that you control, like to look like different times of day, hanging out on female plants. And the whole thing is like expensive as fuck and dialed in completely. So what does a grow in a closet look like in 1990? (laughs) Uh, you know, it's kind of embarrassing to say, but it's not much. I mean, it's like, you know, it, we were lucky if we could find a street light, you know, to, <laughs> to appropriate and convert and convert <laughs> into a grow a light. Um, you know, we had one store out, out in Worcester at the time, uh, Worms Way, where you could go and get some equipment. But for the most part, you know, it was all pretty much rigged together out of whatever you could find. Uh, and, you know, if we could get a quarter pound of, of butt out of it every three months or so that was like huge you know at that time the quality of it was better than anything you could really buy I mean even even on dead lot or dead tour or whatever you know it was just a, amazing quality uh and you know I, it really did help a lot but then when I moved to New York upon graduation from college 
uh, I had to step it up and, and you had to go a little bigger than a closet. And so the grows got bigger and bigger um, in New York because that became more of like a way to survive and pay rent and things like that. Um, this is all pre-high times. And then, you know, eventually got a job at Headcase, uh, hemp baseball hat company, still growing all throughout that time. And then uh, high times, you know, again, around 2002 was, would be when I started going full, working full time. And then little by little, the growth started shrinking <laughs> because I had mm-hmm. work and, and uh, you know, I had to travel and I had, to, you know, so it's funny, it kind of expanded and got bigger and bigger and bigger and then started getting smaller and smaller as the grows that I was covering for the magazine got bigger and bigger, you know, mm. where I was visiting, you know, we used to think, you know, eight lights or 16 lights was a huge, huge grow, you know, mm-hmm. and now, I mean, I see multiple hundred light grows, you know, big, huge warehouse you know, hundred thousand square feet type situations. Mm-hmm. And, and, um, it's interesting just to see the size, you know, grow and, and exponentially, you know, the heat, the, the amount of HVAC systems that you need and, and all of that, you know, on a professional level, going from a closet to a warehouse back down. And now, you know, people are back down to their closets again, or to like a grow tent. And it's so crazy. It is, <laughs> it is crazy how, you know, but that's, you know, if there's one thing I've learned, that's that the quality suffers when you, the bigger you go, the more the quality is going to suffer. So if you really want, you know, AAA, highest quality medicine, you really got to grow it yourself and you got to do it pretty much in small batches. I was uh, just speaking to a mutual friend of ours who was talking to me about when he started growing in Manhattan, downtown in the 90s, above a pizza place. And he used the exhaust of the pizza oven to hide the smell of his grow. Did you have to get super creative when you were growing? Yeah, yeah. I mean, when the, the when the grows got bigger, definitely. You have to live in a more industrial kind of area. You know, I remember, um, you know, the Navy Yard and, and Bushwick and parts of Brooklyn that were were much more on the industrial side of things were, were, were far better to grow in than residential areas because, you know, you can have all the air filtration equipment in the world, but when you're harvesting pounds and pounds in a place like New York City, it, it's going to smell, you know, inevitably. Yeah. <laughs> I've had situations where I've walked into the building and smelled my grow room from, you know, a, a far, far away. <laughs> and that's scary, you know, that can be really scary because not only... Are you worried about like the police? You're also worried about other people, you know, just robbing you or, or, you know, being aware of this illegal thing that you're doing. So, you know, there was definitely a lot of uh, stress and tension over that. But at the same time, you know, you could get six thousand dollars for a pound back then from these delivery services Damn. or more in, in some cases. And so, you know, it was and lucrative. straight up cash between you and somebody else going in your pocket. What's that? That's straight up cash going in someone's going in your pocket. Could you you could you could do a pound for six k? Oh yeah, and if not more, sometimes. I mean, if it was sour diesel, people were getting eight eight thousand for a pound of that. I mean, because the delivery services are selling it for you know two grams for fifty dollars, and uh, which you know it's like an eight hundred and fifty dollar ounce or or more. So. You know, and you've got these Wall Street types that are willing to pay, you know, ridiculous amounts to have that quality. And and so, yeah, in those days, late 90s, early 2000s, you could get away with prices like that. I mean, obviously, times have changed and those prices have <laughs> dropped substantially. But, you know, after you factor in the cost of all the, you know, the lighting and the air conditioning and the security and everything else, you know, you, you could make a decent 
living. I have so many friends who are like working for Uber and Lyft and Postmates and all these places where they like work 80 hours a week but are not considered full-time employees and don't get insurance and they're living on tips and everyone, nobody has money and everybody's working for like 8% of like what they should be getting. And it's like, man, if I could just quit that and grow my own weed and then sell it to people <laughs> on the low, like the time, the time for that in this economy sounds pretty fucking good. Yeah, I mean, I, I couldn't have survived without it. I couldn't have lived in New York City and, and you know, and I had, a, I had jobs. <laughs> the, you know, you have to have a job anyway just to have something to do and to tell people that you do. Um, so, but, I, but I certainly could not have lived the lifestyle that I lived without, you know, growing and, and, and being part of the underground at the time. Uh, and, you know, then little by little sort of getting more political about things, going to the rallies, Boston Freedom Rally, Seattle Hempfest, uh, Million Marijuana March here in New York, um, you know, meeting Jack Herrer and going over to the Amsterdam Cannabis Cup in the late 90s with Headcase really, you know, blew my mind open, you know, as far as uh, what the possibilities were outside of just, you know, financial, but, you know, for healing and for, for the world and, and for everything. And so that made me more more political, less inclined to, to, you know, only sort of try to profit from it and, and more inclined to, to try to help free the plant, free the prisoners, um, fight for home growth, fight for legalization, social use, uh, all that. I mean, that became more of a mission. Uh, and little by little, the, you know, the, the, the job, the cover job that was there to sort of cover for what I was doing became the real gig and the growing uh, sort of fell by the wayside and, and, and I got my kicks more visiting other people's grows. Um, and so, but relieving that stress, you know, living with that is, it was not easy. It's one of the things we rarely talk about when we talk about growing is the, just the stress level. And, you know, you, you, you're in isolation like we are now, you know, you're, you don't want to leave the house. You don't want to, you know, meet people because the first thing you're telling them is a lie. You know, you, what do you do? Oh, I, I pack ship boxes at a, t-shirt factory <laughs> you know i mean mm-hmm. yeah technically it's true but that's not why i'm able to spend all this money and do all these things so uh you know there is a level of that as well and and so us as growers we're, we're prepared for for social distancing and uh you know staying at home and and binging on on tv shows this is all very familiar to me yeah <laughs> thriving because you were prepared for it <laughs> trying to thrive are you hearing from listeners who are starting to grow their own more because of the pandemic who are more interested in starting their own plants yeah yeah for sure i mean anecdotally uh for sure you know the the my book's been selling uh which you know a lot of others haven't so it's interesting that there's a, still a lot of interest in home grow i think a lot of people are interested in in, in growing their fruits and vegetables and uh herbs and, and things and microgreens Dude, yes. is a big one i mean microgreens mm-hmm. you can grow in a week two weeks you can have a full you know very nutritious tray of microgreens with very little work you know it's just popping seeds and as soon as the seeds pop open and they start growing you have microgreens right there and those are like you know vi- those are like vitamin pills i mean they're just chock full of nutrition and very simple, very easy to pull off. And you can do that in a grow room or a tent that you have your, your cannabis plants in. Just put a couple of trays in there and, and you've got microgreens. If you've got a little, a little more time, you can do lettuce. Uh, you can do all kinds of stuff that just, you know, 
pulls off some of the pressure on our food system and really reduces that uh, the level of, of, of you know shipping and, and production and all these things and I don't know I do think there's a lot more interest in it uh, I'm hoping you know that's what it seems like I think people want to be in charge of their food supply at least a little bit you know yeah it's crazy that like Nicole Richie is you know, rapping about growing your own food. <laughs> I know. I saw her on Kimmel or Fallon or one of those shows, and I was like, "Wow!" Like she's really changed a lot because, you know, uh-huh. from the you know the Paris you know party days to now, she's like, uh, yeah, she's she's growing all her own you know, a lot of her own f- fruits and vegetables, and and I think it's important that we make that cool. You know, it, for a long time, it's been like something old people you know farming or gardening. It's like. It's not cool, but it is cool. It's such a cool thing. Like anyone who does it gets addicted to it very quickly. And, you know, even if you just have a balcony, you know, you can grow a lot, you know, a lot in a small space. And I think people are coming to realize that you can do that with cannabis. You can do that with uh, fruits and vegetables and particularly microgreens, which I think, you know, it's like a no brainer. You know, all you need is just a tray and some dirt and some seeds and you can really have this amazing nutritious thing that you can just put on top of anything so with new york i mean we got you're there uh, mary jane and i we have so many homies there my friend just wrote on my facebook wall this morning like what's up with new york so yeah. do you have any insight new york is one of the unique cases uh, of states where we can't really vote on referendums the people don't really get to vote on things we vote on our politicians and our politicians vote on the referendums so uh we don't get something like Prop 215 or, 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 you know, all these other sort of things that where because if the public in New York voted, it would be legal 10 years ago. You know, mm-hmm. we are, we, the polling shows that it's like 70 to 80% in support of legalization, full, you know, rec legalization in New York. But our politicians, especially particularly upstate, um, are just way behind. And they're also beholden to things like prison guard unions, which need a constant source of people from the city shipped upstate to fill these rooms and you know fuel this false economy where you know these used to be industrial cities that produced something and now they just store people uh and get Jesus. paid to store people and it's scary i mean it, it really is and how powerful those unions can be i mean and these ta- are private prisons you're talking some about, are private right? some aren't private so yeah it, dep- it, it, it doesn't really i mean the private ones are even worse than than you know the the state prisons and things because you know the private ones are a business all they care about is profit and so each person is a widget that fills a room and and you you if if it costs ten dollars a day to feed them let's find a way to make it cost five you know and so they're basically eating sawdust and cardboard and shit like that i mean it's insane how we treat uh, our prisoners throughout you know the world but particularly you know when it's a business it's it's even worse it's it, it it's it's yeah, just, you shook me with that, man, just now. Saying it's a place that stores people. Yeah, you just and if there's sh- no people shook to me store, up a little bit. you know, I say convert all those prisons to grow houses, you know, and grow rooms. <laughs> they already have that awful fluorescent lighting, <laughs> you know, and those yeah. compartmentalized rooms and everything. It, it wouldn't be hard. And it's been done, actually. Damian Marley, I think, did it in California. So Yeah, he did. Yeah, <laughs> so... You know, uh, to me, rather than, you know, complain about, you know, the the prison guard unions are holding us back, let's give them something as an alternative to what they have uh, where we where where they don't have to be worried about losing their jobs because 
there's a ton of other jobs uh, that are much more positive than just you know keeping an eye on people that you're storing. That's fucking amazing. <laughs> Convert all prison facilities into grow facilities, and all of those people will still have jobs and be producing something that is a, a needed, beneficial commodity. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, Wild. I think, uh, and and you know, Cuomo says he's going to do it this year. I mean, they're talking about it. We finally have a Democratic uh, Senate and 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 all of that. So. We've been held. They just missed visit, uh, voting it into the budget for this legislative session, correct? Correct. Yeah. They, I mean, I think the, the 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 virus or the pandemic or whatever has has also you know played a role because they they set aside funds for that, and now those funds are being used uh, to mitigate uh, what's going on here with mm-hmm. the, the the virus. But uh, you know, they see what's going on in other states. They're they're not uh, immune to what's happening in Massachusetts. I mean, people are. Tra- literally traveling from New York to Massachusetts to buy legal cannabis on a daily oh, basis. No shit. So, yeah. you know, and now that they've opened up rec up there, you know, the whole East Coast is, is, is ch- chomping, at, champing at the bit, actually, as I learned from you. <laughs> uh, I, I see that you're wearing a, a Netta Brookline shirt. That's, that's right. one of the first legal shops in Massachusetts, right? Yes, in my hometown of Brookline, uh, which I got to visit. Uh, on the day that they went wreck, I actually covered that uh, for High Times. It was, it was emotional for me because the police, the police were there, you know, directing traffic, and these are literally the same police who uh, were not, uh, you know, let's just say we weren't on the same page back in the day when I was a kid. <laughs> yeah. um, and now here they were basically like helping, you know, mitigate the situation with traffic for people that were coming to buy legal cannabis and and uh you know we were bringing them coffee and donuts and stuff and it 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 was like everything came full circle i read your book recently because i was um writing you know a piece about home grow and of course i had to you know talk to you about your book and uh your i mean you you're sort of like the person to go to for growers who want to learn how to do it right now and I don't know. It's just pretty neat. Like it seems like even though shit's weird, the future is pretty bright in many ways for cannabis and for you. I hope so. <laughs> I do. I mean, I do think that we're seeing a, a, a sea change. Uh, you know, we had this huge industry that popped up, and and now um, people in that people are getting shaken out of that industry. Like all other industries are suffering, but cannabis, it's it's not cell phones. This isn't widgets. This isn't something you get into. To make a quick buck and jump out of, you know, I'm, I'm, the people I know, the people I respect, they dedicate their life to it. Um, there's nothing wrong with making money. There's nothing wrong with doing business, but you have to treat the plant with respect and and act in an ethical manner. Uh, a lot of the business people in the industry c- come out of the underground. You know, the 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 people who started the industry, and uh, there's an ethics and a code that comes out of that as well. You know, Mm -hmm. because we're counting on each other uh, to keep ourselves out of trouble. And so there's a level of, you know, I don't know, just the way the people do business that just being cool, being cool and just, you know, and and people who aren't cool just sort of get pushed out. You know, there's it's not it's not a violent thing. It's not it's just like the word gets around and like you're not cool and that's not going to work out. And, you know, I call it the hippie shun. You know, the circle just the hippie shine. <laughs> the circle, <laughs> the circle just sort of tightens up, and like you're on the outside of the circle now, and you know it's yeah. not like anyone ever said anything or did anything, but you're just not part of it. You know, 
<laughs> yeah. I don't know how to describe it, but I know it when the I I know it when I see it. <laughs> yeah, the, the rising above. I mean, I think one of the things that really surprised me when I, uh, you know, when I met you and when I, you know, started hanging out with the High Times folks, and then ultimately ended up working there, that there's a lot of beef <laughs> in the in the weed world, mm-hmm. and I was like, oh, I I just had no idea because from the outside looking in, it's this very you know, sort of peaceful ideals and very happy community, but there is actually a fair bit of conflict when you when you get into it. Oh, and so yeah. to rise above that is, you know, taking oh. a deep breath and walking away is yeah. gotta be pretty important. No, it can be very <laughs> incestuous because it, yeah. it is, you know, it was a small world. I can remember the first few times going over to Amsterdam, you know, I call it marijuana fantasy camp. You get to meet all these people who you've read about, you know, and, and you've learned about and it's grown out their seeds and things like that. And now here they are right in front of you. And then you come to realize, oh man, you know, there's more, there's a lot going on here. Like this person hates that person and oh, they ripped them off. And you hear all these stories. One of the things I learned from my mentor, Jorge, was sometimes you just got to stay out of it. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, yeah, because things change all the time and, and loyalties and, and everything just changes. And you know, if you're in it for the long haul, you got to be prepared to sometimes just say, hey, you know, I, I, that's not my business or that's not, you know, my concern and uh, rise above, like you said. Yeah. Give him the old hippie shine. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck, man. I have four questions. Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> sometimes I feel like with this podcast, we are like celebrating, learning, growing, but also um, there have been moments when I've been worried that we're preaching to the choir and then we'll get a letter from someone where it's like, I started listening to your podcast and I have parents who are super against this and they've come around to the other side and through places like your podcast and like, um, like other folks who are out here just trying to like, you know, amplify the signal, things are changing for the better. And it was kind of a relief to feel like, okay, cool, we're not all just like standing in a circle yelling in each other's mouths. <laughs> and so have you ever had that moment that you realized that like what you were doing and what you were standing for and how you were living, like did you see a direct change in people's perceptions of not only weed but also like where we should go with it? Yeah, yeah, 100%. Um, I've seen it, uh, you know, on a personal level, my family, my mom, you know, who grew up in the Soviet Union uh, who, and was taught that all drugs are bad and cannabis to her might as well have been heroin. And the fact that I was into it was, was awful and I was, you know, I was ruining my life. Now, you know, years later, she lives in Massachusetts and, you know, she voted for legal cannabis. She, you know, and, and then when I made the connection to her with hemp and, and, and cannabis, she then I think she realized, wait, what? Like, this is what everyone's riled up about? Like, and she tried it with me too. I mean, she smoked before and used topicals and things and really is kind of like, what is the big deal? You know, and like hmm. to see her go from super duper anti, you know, so, so much so that, I mean, I was basically kicked out of the house at 18. Um, you know, I mean, I was <laughs> dealing out of the house. So <laughs> <laughs> to this day, she thinks, you know, a, a pound of weed is like a dime bag, you know, like, <laughs> and everybody must have just have a triple beam scale at their house, you know, <laughs> but, uh, but to go from that to completely, you know, understanding like, Hey, this is just a, a, a way that people, you know, use medicine and, and alter their reality slightly. You know, she, she always says that she can't even feel it. Every time she smokes, uh, her eyes will be 
bright red or, or you know, almost shut and she'll be totally what we would consider you know for all intents and purposes baked but because mm-hmm. in her mind her expectation is you know that it's that she's going to be completely messed up somehow and like unable to function and and you know uh so she she never really says like yeah i, I can feel it to but but just the fact that she's come around that far and that her you know what used to be her bank <laughs> in her town of brookline is now a thriving pot dispensary with lines out the door anytime they're open uh that's tight that's so yeah seeing that on a personal level huge you know like that it's just not and like you know she just thinks that she gets a kick out of the book and like the fact that i teach people how to grow now now it's funny and it's you know um whereas i think you know before there was a fear uh you know of of cannabis and of the laws against it. I think a lot of it has to do with the legalities because once something is legal, suddenly everyone's, you know, on the bandwagon. Oh, cannabis, yeah, amazing. You know, it's legal, it's free, it's this, it's that. Uh, so you see it on a micro level, like, my, you know, me and my mom, and then on a, on a larger macro level where, you know, people are joking about it all, all the time on all the talk shows and, all, you know, it's, it's, it's become, you know, a given that, you know, hey, you know, you know it's like it's just a little punchline where you know before it was it wasn't taken seriously and if it was it was like demonized you know whereas now it's just it, it's part of the lexicon it's just an you know everyone smokes i mean that's the other thing that you learn over time is that it's not this like small subset of people it's actually like a huge amount of people <laughs> doctors and yeah. lawyers and politicians and people from all walks of life um, so all these celebrity pot brands and stuff, it's, it's hilarious to me because it's like, yeah, of course, you know. <laughs> um, okay, question number two. Do you mind, Mary Jane, if I just get through them all? No. Okay, cool. We keep talking about grow your own, grow your own, grow your own. And I feel like some people will want to grow just a banging blue dream because they love blue dream. And it's going to be a beautiful bud. And they're going to be happy forever. And other people are going to be like, I want a high CBD strain because I just want like a little like nip to the brain and to go on with my day. Can you home grow whatever you love the most and have some type of success with it? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, there are seeds available of every variety that you would want. Basically CBD, uh, four to one CBD to THC ratio, whatever kind of ratio you want, it's out there. There's auto flowering seeds, there's feminized seeds, um, there's regular seeds that can grow male or female plants. So even if you want to experiment with breeding, you know that's a possibility as well. Uh, but yeah, pretty much anything you could buy, you can grow for cheaper than it costs to buy. Uh, there's a learning curve, of course, and you're going to make mistakes and you're going to learn from them and. And you know you might have to kill a whole harvest. You know, I mean that that happens too, and it's the reality of the situation. If you get a pest infestation or mold or things like that, you just gotta start over, and that happens. You know, it's kind of like having a fish tank. <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah. oops, all the fish are floating <laughs> at the top of the fish tank. I gotta start over here. Something went wrong. Uh, mm-hmm. So, yeah, but but the the possibilities are endless. Pretty much whatever you want to grow, you can grow. So. Um, you know, sometimes it's harder to find those genetics than others. You know, if there's like a clone only situation where it's only handed out amongst friends and things, that's a little harder to come by than, 
you know, ordering seeds from some company in, in Spain or the UK and, and hoping for the best. But, you know, the, the, the opportunities are endless and the options of what you can grow are, are vast. I'm growing my own, uh, my first plant ever. I got a, an autoflowering plant called an easy pot. Have you heard about this? I haven't, but that's awesome. And autos are great because, you know, you, you can plant in May and harvest in July, you know. And yeah, rather... I'm stoked. It's sitting outside in the sun right now. It's uh, from Humboldt. Uh, I can't remember the Humboldt Gardens, I think, is the grower. And it's a uh, soulmate is the strain. And nice. um yeah, it's like, and they were like, it's like a chia. Is that yeah, the brand? Easy Pot. Okay. Yeah, it comes in a tomato cage and like the soil is supposedly has everything it already needs and it's sort of like a chia pet cannabis <laughs> situation. So I'm just watering it every few days and watching it grow and it's awesome. That's awesome. That is great. Yeah. There's no feeling, yeah. there's no greater feeling for me personally than like consuming something that you created from thin air. You know, it's like modern day alchemy. You're just taking air and water and light and plant food and you're creating medicine. Okay, question number three is, let's say you can't get an autoflowering plant like um, the one Mary Jane has. So what what's the like the bare minimum somebody would need to get started if they don't really have a lot of money? And you know, the investment should equal the time and just in case the harvest goes bad and all of those things. Like, you know, what's the minimum somebody can have to try something like growing your own for the first time? Right. I mean. The, the easiest thing you can do is get yourself a grow tent, right? Because there's these kits you buy and they show up in a box and it's a tent. You can, one person can set it up, take it down. Uh, it's got a footprint of you know three by three or four by four foot space. Um, it's got all the holes cut out for exhaust fans and, and it's got the lights that come with it and the hangers for the lights, which you know, you want that to be done right as well. And these kits cost, you know, anywhere between 500 and a $1,000 uh, typically for pretty much everything you need aside from the seeds, right? And I wouldn't recommend going with some crazy hydro system in the tent, you know, just get yourself some buckets, uh, five gallon buckets like you to get at Home Depot, fill them with pro mix or, or soilless mix and, you know, grow in, in those hand watering with, you know, with your nutrient solution or your plain water. And you can do that for, I mean, most people have, I mean, I shouldn't say most people, but a lot of people have room on a credit card where they could put 500 or, or 800 bucks on the tent. And the, the first time you grow a couple of ounces or a quarter pound, it pays for the tent. And now you've still got the tent, you've still got the lights and you've still got the equipment. So everything else is gravy, you know what I mean? You're just paying for the electricity, which is really minimal when you're talking about one light and a couple of fans, you know, it's not some it's like not even as much as a fridge basically as far as the electricity goes and so it can be done quite cheaply it's just you it's the amount of time you have to invest you know you can't go away for two weeks you can't you know it, it, it is you know it's more a little more than a hobby you know you kind of got to check it out every day and make sure you're not dealing with bugs or, or mold you make sure you're not uh, over watering over feeding but ultimately it's not that hard to get into uh, again, you know, there's books, there's videos, there's podcasts out there that you can learn from. Uh, but ultimately, nothing <laughs> yeah, is going to teach all, you. All by you, dude. <laughs> yeah, your books and, and your others, podcasts. And others. But nothing is going to teach you more than just experience and doing it yourself. Uh, yeah. But it can be done cheaply, like I said, under $1,000. And, and, and you could be supplying yourself with ounces of cannabis every three months 
into into perpetuity. You know, you'll have to replace a bulb here and there. You'll have to, you know, get new seeds or or whatever it might be. But um, it's pennies to the dollar compared to what you're going to spend buying it from your guy or from your gal or from the dispensary or wherever else because they have way more overhead. Uh, and if you want to go real cheap, all you really need is just the light, you know, and the containers and seeds. Uh, if you hmm. don't want the, the whole tent situation and you want to grow like autos, you don't even need really need a light tight kind of situation for that. So it, it's, it's affordable. You just have to devote some time and energy as well. You know, it's not going to just happen on its own. Um, have you seen, did you ever watch the show Atlanta? Atlanta? Yeah, I've seen a few episodes. I haven't like binged it yet though. I love it. I There's, mean, Donald Glover's amazing. He's fucking amazing. There's one where... Um, him and Lakeith Stanfield go to a pawn shop to flip something and instead Lakeith talks him into getting a samurai sword because he's like you'll make more money if you buy this samurai sword and he's like but I need money right now and he's like you'll make more if you get me this sword so they get the sword and then they trade it for a pit bull and then they take the pit bull to a breeder and then the breeder's like this is a great pit bull I'll pay you when the babies come and they got half the money for the babies and there was a whole moment where he was mad because he needed the money in that moment for a new phone and they weren't going to get it but then two months later he got a check for $8,000 because of the pit bull babies and it was just this long lesson of like thinking long term and putting forth the effort now knowing that the um, the gifts at the end of it will be like even stronger and more powerful and worth it than the short term and you just made me think of that episode specifically when you're talking about like how important it can be to grow your own for the first time and see what happens on the other side yeah and i think one of the main lessons to, to be learned there is patience you know just sometimes step back and let the plants grow you can't always you know over watering overfeeding these are the the biggest rookie mistakes it's 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 all in in doing too much and like expecting mm. too much or you know i always tell people don't try to think of what, how much is you're going to grow. Don't look at it in terms of like, oh, I'm going to get a pound out of this because you'll inevitably dis be disappointed if you don't reach that. Uh, but you really, what you really should be doing is just being patient and, you know, letting the plants grow and doing, you know, what you need to do to help them. Uh, but sometimes just stay out of it, you know, like don't meddle, <laughs> you know, let it happen <laughs> organically and naturally. And I think it's the same with business deals. It's the same with a lot of things. You know, sometimes you just got to be patient and uh, and be cool. And be cool. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> you get the hippie yeah. shot. Yeah. <laughs> I love that so much. Do you have? Uh, I had a final question. Yeah. Cool. Well, it's. I mean, with you growing your own and you being the legend that you are in the space, not only for growing your own, but just like having the palate, the knowledge, the breath, and like the principles, like, I don't know, man, you have a strong code and it's uh, good to see. So I guess my final of the four questions is, what is the one time that when you grew your own, you kind of held that nugget up to the light and it looked almost like Michael, what's the Sistine Chapel? Where like God was touching one end of the bud and you were holding it between you and a divine being. Do you have that grow story where you knocked it out of the park? Um, I guess, yeah. I mean, certainly the first successful grow, uh, when you're looking at just you know stacks of jars that you filled with you know bud that you grew and you know the strain and you know you know what went into it 
and, and how much love and, and, and energy and joy you put into the, the production of it. Um, I've had definitely had some emotional moments, uh, you know, upon harvesting and smoking that first J, you know, where everything's perfectly cured. Um, but I've also had the, the, the opposite experience where I've had disastrous grows and, and had situations where I had to shut down grow rooms in the middle of the night, you know, because the mm. fire inspector was coming the next day. And so, you know, there's both sides to it. There, there is that, you know, side we don't talk about of, you know, the negativity. And, you know, I've, I've had to visit friends in, in jail that were cannabis growers that were in, you know, prison for that. And that, you know, you have to weigh all of the triumphs and successes against those setbacks as well and, and, and know that, like, it's not always going to be perfect and amazing and that there's, you know, there's a ongoing fight um, that goes on and on. And, and when you've met, like, people who've been in jail and had parts of their life taken away and all because of this plant, it, 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 it can be just overwhelming sometimes to think that, like, all that you know injustice and misery also comes along with you know the joy that it brings us as well so you know i don't know you know that's the part we you know i don't haven't written a book about that yet you know i've written strains and i've written how to grow but i haven't really written the you know the trauma and the you know the the sort of negative aspects of prohibition that creeped in all those years and are still you know prevalent and a part of that life i mean people are still being denied uh, organ transplants for instance because they're testing positive for cannabis it's it's outrageous that people are still getting their homes raided um you know having their animals you know murdered in front of their children it's it it's outrageous and, and the, the amount of injustice out there so you know for every triumph there is that you know lingering idea that like we we haven't won yet there's still a long way to go um, there's people locked up in Colorado, for instance, you know what I mean? Like, like here's, here's a place where millions of millions of dollars are being made in the legal cannabis industry. And yet there's prisoners in that same state, um, that are in jail for nonviolent cannabis offense. And, and something's got to give, we got it. We need a federal change. We need cannabis to be, you know, treated the way it should be treated. And we need to do the, the, the testing on it because we've only scratched the surface on the medical benefits and, I don't know if that's an answer to your question. <laughs> Sometimes I, you know, I, I don't know. Sometimes I can. Um, I mean, it, 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 it's, it's, a, it's a more important answer than whatever my question was. I learned a lot from Mary Jane thanks to this podcast. And one of the things I learned is you can buy a whole chicken and you can put it in the oven and then you can roast it and then you can eat the chicken that night, crispy skin, and then you can take the rest of the chicken the next day and make beautiful chicken salad sandwiches. And then you can take the bones and you can make a stock. Mm -hmm. And then you've got like every, you're just using every piece of everything. And as soon as I learned that if you can grow your own, it's not just about getting buds, but it's about what you can do with the trim. And it's about like using every piece of the plant in different areas. and. I kind of geeked out a bit. I got pretty fucking excited by learning all of that. Yeah, I mean, 100%. The trim is amazing. Like, I can remember uh, we used to throw it away. And when I first, when I went over to Amsterdam and, and learned about, like, bubble bags and ice water hash and, and uh, solventless extractions like that, I, 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 it, I was almost mad, you know, <laughs> about all the trim <laughs> that I had thrown away. I was like, 
man, I can't can think of all the hash that I would have had if I had been smart about this. Um, and yeah, you can make hash, you can make tinctures, you can make uh, topicals, you can make edibles. Uh, there's so many things. And even now, I mean, people are using the stalks, like the actual plant stalks, to make packaging. Our friend Kyle Tracy, for instance, has a company called Restalk, Stalk, S-T-A-L-K, where they're taking mm -hmm. basically what would be considered industrial refuse, you know, from these big factory farms, uh, not factory farms, but, you know, large cannabis farms with all these cannabis stalks that they're, they're not going to do anything with, with them. They're going to toss them or they're going to compost them or they're going to throw them away, whatever. But they're making packaging. And I think packaging is one of the main things, you know, where the cannabis industry needs to step up and become more sustainable. Um, we're using a lot of plastic. We're using a lot of single-use plastic for these pre-rolls and for these grams and eighths. And it's outrageous. And it's crazy. And for us, we, we, need, to, we need, as an industry, to become more sustainable um, with things like packaging, with, you know, what we throw away. And it is amazing how much you can do with the plant. You know, even the roots, for instance, people are you know using using the, the roots of the plant to make uh, topical products. Um, you know, even like we mentioned, eye drops and suppositories. I mean, the, the sky's <laughs> the limit, right? For what you can do with uh, distillates and and um, isolates and things like that. And now we're discovering uh, other cannabinoids. You know, more what what are called minor cannabinoids: THCA, THCB. CBN um, that are having all these other effects, um, appetite suppression, appetite increase, increasing. You know, um, wow, man, yeah, yeah, just amazing. CBN is a is a sedative. I mean, it's like a perfect nighttime. You know, it's degraded THC. It's, it's it's what happens if you let a plant go too long, and you get a more lethargic effect from it. But hey, if that helps someone with insomnia then it's worth a billion dollars yeah. alone. Just that yep. one thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, as somebody who stayed up till seven in the morning watching Top Chef, yeah, I could use a little CBN in my life. <laughs> yeah, you know, and that's, you know, it, it's, it's one of the things of, of this, you know, vi virus and the pandemic is, you know, people are struggling with, with issues with sleep. There's going to be a long-term, you know, post-traumatic effect to all of this that we have no idea about right now. I mean, we're still in the middle of it, but it's going to have an effect, just like the Spanish flu did in the 20s and the things that happened after that were all informed by what people went through. Millions of people died, you know, it had a huge effect. Uh, and we're, we're dealing with that now. We, we, we had it with 9-11, we had it with Katrina, you know, the, you have these moments yeah. where, um, you know. I think this one is more like the birds though. <laughs> than 9-11 and Katrina because with 9-11 and Katrina it was an ice it's it's like it's isolated it and this is place. like you're not this is like you're not allowed to go outside because seagulls might attack you like you just <laughs> don't know it's pretty intense yeah it's something brand new for us I mean I, it's it's definitely intense you know yeah man well I'm so glad to catch up with you and uh, I love listening to your podcast Grow Bud Yourself it's so good I mean you just have the most connected uh, you are the most connected your network is so incredible and like the resources you can draw upon to have conversations with yeah he grew himself in into a legend yeah <laughs> it's just great so where can everyone find you uh, well I'm on uh, Twitter and Facebook as Danny Danko I'm on Instagram as Danny Danko HT uh, growbudyourself.com uh, the, the 
the podcast is on all every anywhere you listen to podcasts iTunes Stitcher um, Spotify all of those please subscribe and sign up we have a Patreon page as well which is awesome I know you guys I believe you guys have one right I think I follow you guys there we're in the process yeah, yeah. that's a great <laughs> way to interact with your uh, you know your hardcore listeners um, that actually your Patreon's wanna... cool too because you have a area that you can get your book through it right. Right. There's a tier. The $25 a month tier gets you a, a cop, free copy of my book signed and you know shipped to your home. Uh, we do exclusive content there, You know some video stuff. Uh, we're going to be doing a lot more uh, audio stuff as well, uh, where it'll be exclusive to people who are patrons on Patreon. And mm-hmm. you know, it's a great community. It's a great place to like communicate with your fans and get questions and, and all that. So that's that's been fun as well and yeah i'm out there the book is on amazon uh i sell it on ebay actually undercutting amazon <laughs> and you can get it signed <laughs> That's if, what's you want. Up. Uh, if you buy it on ebay from me or from the patreon page um i don't know if we're doing video but there's the book yeah no absolutely <laughs> I got both cannabis the beginner's guide to growing marijuana it's such a good book and the, <laughs> I, the high times field guide to marijuana uh was one of my first gigs at high times i copy edited oh, that. that's awesome that's right yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was it's one, a little yeah, dated at this jobs. point it's almost 10 years old so the strains are a little older i'd love to do an update um with a lot of the newer um strains that are out have come out since then because there's so so many i mean every day there's new strains coming out and new hype out there so. Yeah. What's what can you leave us with what the what the most hype is for you right now? What you're most hyped up about? <laughs> well, there's so much uh recently. I mean, there's obviously the runs. It was even trending. The Obama runs was trending yesterday. What's the Obama runs? What are you Obama saying? runs. Yeah, that was What is that? It was a strain that was trending, I guess, a couple of days ago on Twitter. I don't know. I just noticed it that it was there. <laughs> I thought it was funny. Oh, man. Um, if you want to check us out, we're at Weed and Grub on Instagram. WG at WeedandGrub.com. Uh, is there anything else? No. I mean, thanks for hanging out, Tanko. I can't wait to, like, kick it in real life someday yeah, again. That's going to be amazing. And I wasn't joking. You are a, a living legend. So <laughs> I'm not kidding when I say that. <laughs> I appreciate it for sure. That's awesome. Uh, you know. I try to put the focus back onto the plant, uh, but it is nice, you know, to, to be acknowledged and... Ooh, that's the hippie shine. <laughs> <laughs> How about that? Nice. Love it. Oh, man. Thanks for hanging out. Thank you for having me. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye. Bye.